Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good evening and welcome to Sugar and Silk, brought to you exclusively by Ace Podcast Nation. My name is Ben Doughty. My name is Michael Silkolajide. And we are delighted to be joined this evening by the self-styled glamour boy of British boxing in the early 1990s, the one and only Gary Stretch. How's it going, sir? I'm good, sir. And sir, how are you guys? Doing good, thank you very much. <laughs> I was quite thrilled when you invited me on because I was a big fan of Michael. Yeah, um, I figured that was the clincher. I figured I'd, I'd have been a little bit more compromised just on my own. But um, if it was you, I'd have told you to fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well you, you did. You did. You did slightly take me aback this morning when you. I'm not even going to say what you said on the phone. Oh yeah, yeah. You you, you used um, a, a term which is kind of casual term of endearment in, in Britain, albeit a curse word. But the Americans find it very shocking. So I was already aware of your kind of blunt style, Gary. But I, um, I thought you shocking. would have enjoyed that bit, being a man yeah. of the world. Yeah, <laughs> so Gary, you know. Um, we came into into conversation a week ago or so because people on my page were talking about the holy grail of footage, you know, to, to British boxing nuts of a certain era. That that holy grail of amateur boxing footage is your fight with Georgie Collins, which first launched your name into the British boxing public consciousness. And you told me there was actually a little clip of it. But regardless, for anyone who doesn't know the story, Georgie Collins was an amateur boxing prodigy who won 10 national amateur titles. He was 17 years old. They said he had a record of 72 and 0. That's 72 amateur fights without a single defeat. And he was, it was a formality. He, he'd win the NABCs and win, I believe it was going to be a record of winning 11 national titles. Frank Warren was there at the Grosvenor House Hotel to sign him. And a kid called Gary Stretch from St. Helens ruined the script by knocking him out in the first round. And I'm, I don't mean like an amateur style stoppage. I mean spark out. What I want to ask you, Gary, is with he turned pro anyway. Frank Warren signed him and said, no point crying over spilt milk. But you turned pro in tandem with him. And there was a natural sense of rivalry established then, although you never met in the pros. Were you intending always to turn pro then? Or did that very much launch you into that decision? You know, I, I, I was boxing since I'm a baby. But I, I used to come in and out of it. I played around a lot. Um, I, I loved it. And I did like, I kind of got disciplined at school. And they made me go to uh, boxing. I, I got My mother left when I was a kid. And... 
and my father raised three boys and I think I became a bit of a headache. Uh, maybe young kids screaming for attention, start getting into trouble. And I got to some fight and I hurt a kid and he was a bit bigger than me. And um, they sent me home and my dad had to talk to the headmaster. And basically they said, we'll let him back in only under the emphasis that he's got to get some discipline. And I know I, and the headmaster said, I know a man, Mr. Freeman, has a boxing gym and uh, we got to take him there and he'll, he'll straighten him out. And so they took me and I said, fuck off, I'm not doing it. Because if you, under other circumstances, I probably would have loved to do it. But because I was forced, I didn't, I wouldn't do it. So my dad used to drop me off at five o'clock every night, pick me up at seven. And I stood for nine months like this, never touched the bag, never hit it. And, and my dad would pick me up and he'd say to Mr. Freeman, how was my boy? And he went, oh, it's great today. And he never snitched on me ever. I did nothing. <laughs> yeah. And after about nine months of being bored, I remember looking at the office at this beautiful man who was just a great man. I fell in love with his loyalty. And he looked at me and I looked at him, he gave me a smile and he said, do you want to do a little bit? I said, okay. And we started and that's how I began. And I was in and out of it. I did judo for many years. And, um, and then funnily enough, Mr. Freeman came to me, knocked on my door, my father's house, and said, listen, do you want to go in the NABCs? Because this kid Collins is in it. They're making a big shebang about him, and you'll, you'll kill him. And I said, oh. sure. So he showed me a little bit of footage, and I thought, I knew exactly, I thought, I knew exactly how to beat him. And, uh, and it was just like a story, like a fairy tale, because we met in the final. Uh, yeah. So it grew up in the house, it was TV, and all for him and um but yeah i was i was really uh it's funny if you looked at our records we'd fought some of similar opponents in our amateur careers yeah i'd knocked him out in two he beat him on points so a boxing expert if they really looked at our records i hadn't had uh, the, the the standard of career that he had but when you looked at the similar opponents i'd done better jobs on most of them so um yeah the script was written i uh, he signed with warren and I went with Mike Barrett, Mickey Duff. Yeah. So, so uh, Gary, let me ask you: Didn't they have the cane in your day? Sorry. Didn't you? Didn't they have the cane and as discipline? Oh yes, yes. <laughs> I used thank to God, it. thank God for L magazine because I used to put magazines down my ass. Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> and the and the headmaster used to say, "Stretch." That made a bit of a twang. <laughs> and then he'd pull the books out and fucking give it me without. Yeah. Yeah. We had it many times. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's. I just wanted to make sure of that you had it in your day, Michael. Sorry. You had it in your day. Oh yeah, I had it in my day too. In Liverpool, yeah, we got the cane, boy. We had yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't yeah. get it much. My older brother got it a lot more. I was kind of easy going. Yeah. No, I had it plenty of times. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let me ask you. So, uh, how long? How many amateur fights did you have? What was the length of the amateur career? I don't really know. I had a lot. Yeah. I didn't lose many. I don't I think I lost about 28. About 28 is the figure I was aware of, but I might be wrong. No, I, more? Yeah, a lot more. I don't, I don't remember the number, but there's a. I, I was in and out since I'm a okay. 11, you know? Yeah. Uh, and you had and, and you had like international experience amateur or did you? Young England. Of... Okay, just England, yes. The Young England stuff, yeah. Uh, okay. And um, we used to go to Crystal Palace. And, uh, can't remember the trainer, but a uh, famous trainer, Kevin Hickey. Yeah, Kevin Hickey. Yeah, uh, 
And me and Paul Hodgkinson would used to go, you know, he, he was a friend that we ended up friendly on the on the England schoolboys scene. But uh, yeah, um, I was again, like I say, I was I was in and out of boxing. It was, um, it was something that I played around with, and um, and then uh, the Collins thing came up, and I, I said, let's let's go for it. Yeah. So it was. It, it kind of was the Collins thing, which which galvanised you in that direction. You thought, let's try and make a guy this boxed in and become a professional champion. Yeah, I used to get bored. You know, it's like I, I would do judo. Or I, I won nationals in judo, and then but got bored and then quit. And I was always doing stuff, and I would get bored. But then boxing, you know, after the Collins uh, fight and the whole build up, and. Um, it kind of got into my blood and I, I liked it and I liked, you know, I liked the pressure of it. I liked the, uh, I love that I was the underdog. It was great. You know, um, I, I just love, I, I love the whole challenge of the fight game. And so I wasn't madly in love with the sport, to be honest. I, I liked the challenge. And, and it's funny when, when I was a kid, my mother and father used to fight a lot. I used to sit on the steps in my house in the middle of the steps on the staircase. I was afraid to go down in case they fucking kill me. And I was afraid to go up in case they killed each other. And I'd sit frozen on the yeah. steps. I remember I used to piss in my pants. I was a little boy. Yeah. And um, I had this weird feeling in my stomach and it was terrifying. And I had it when I boxed. I used to always be afraid. Yeah. I don't know if Michael will tell you, but people, some people love it. I, I, I always was afraid. Uh, I, and it took me, I, I, when I retired, I realized what I was afraid of. I wasn't afraid of taking a beating. I think I was afraid of the unknown. Yeah. You just never know, you know? And mm -hmm. so I, many years I used to think, what are you afraid of? But I had that feeling. It was similar to as a child. And it kind of attracted me to, to conquer that. At least I had some control over it when I fought. And so... Yeah. It was a weird, um, I guess it's like people who fucking cut themselves, you know, the, the weird uh, face your fear kind of things. And so yeah. it, was, it was something that drew me to conquer my fear. I never really ever did conquer my fear. I was always afraid. Uh, but yeah. I, think, I think fear, if, if it doesn't um, freeze you, it, it's a great uh, help. Because, it, you know, if a, if a deer can jump 20 feet normally... Yeah. With a line behind, it can jump 30 feet. So exactly. adrenaline is a friend if you can learn to use it in a positive way. There was always there was always that sense, Gary, that some people could have looked at your kind of style and profile during the years you were particularly famous in boxing and said that you were somewhat flirting with the game. And you there was always this sense that you would find other things to do when, when you stopped getting hit in the face for a living. I remember seeing you on popular culture shows like with Jules Holland and the like. You were linked with various famous uh, celebrity women like Sunita and the like. And the self-styled disco king was one description I remember on a particular kind of pop quiz type show. I know that you you linked up with the, the uh, PR guru, Max Clifford. Was that all very much orchestrated and thought out from the start or did it happen more? You know, I never, I never really cared about any of it. And, you know, I, I, I was a very disciplined boxer, to be honest. Uh, I trained really hard always because I was insecure. You know, it's like yeah. I'd be up early because I, I, I didn't think I was any good and I never thought I was any good at anything and so um, I, I used to get me up in the mornings I trained really hard for every fight um, I played it kind of I was when I'm not fighting I would go out with the odd bird and like everybody else just yeah. so happened I was in London I was 
had a couple of mates who was in these circles. So, you know, you start shagging the odd page three girl. The next thing you know, it's <laughs> like you do. Well, let me, like let, me just, let me just say something. And, uh, and then it just came like it became a little bit of a, I don't know. I, I, I think a reputation. Yeah. And it was, uh, uh, most of it was bullshit, but uh, whatever. You know, I just, take it. Take it. You know, my, my, my cousin, um, she wanted me to specifically say hi to you. She's got a crush on you. She's over in Liverpool. I was like, well, wait a minute. You never mentioned my show before. But now you're going to mention it just because Gary stretches Gary's us. on, yeah. And I know you get, uh, you must get that a lot. And and also, thank, thank uh, you very much for me. I'm humble. <laughs> and the other thing was Angelina Jolie. You did a movie with her, correct? I did. Oh uh, yeah, I did a movie with her dad. You got her dad. I got her dad. Oh you got, wow! You got, you got her. I mean, I love him though, John Boy. He's great. <laughs> yeah. No, he's great. He's great, but uh, she's a bit like your dad. She's I think if you fucked Angelina, you'd get pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> very masculine energy, I think. You know, she's a, yeah, she's she's a soldier cool. girl. So yeah, but yeah. Very, a lot of fun, and she was very down to earth. It was a great yeah. experience. At yeah. least Gary just gave us the byline for this particular episode, Early Doors. We've already it. got the quote, the headline. That was great. <laughs> when did you start acting, Gary? Um... I fell into it. It was so I was, you know, contrary to the image, I was pretty shy as a kid. Um, um, I, I think I got like a flat. I, I, you know, I thought of, I thought a little bit like you, Michael. You know, you had very loose and yeah, like the American style and yeah. fluid and yes, beautiful yes. and what you know. Yeah, and yeah. I had that kind of hands were not. Uh, I used to watch my my heroes with Ray Leonard and you know the yeah yeah yeah, the, yeah. It, so I had this style that was a little bit flashy maybe it didn't yeah. mean it to be and yeah. I think it rubbed off on some kind of image but uh, I watched Michael a lot I don't want to embarrass you but I I I, uh, I loved his style and the fl fluidity about him and long and rangy and uh, well, I love that about your punches. I saw uh, your reflex was really sharp, like really fast. And and I love what you did specifically. Like I, I would think, you know, when you, you look at fighters and they have a certain thing about them, a certain way in which they punch that identifies them. And whenever you whenever you fought like an orthodox fighter, you throw that left hand and come over with the right hand, the straight right, but you made it a power punch. Like you, it would be a, it would be a jab, right? Because yeah. you thought because you threw the left first and then you turned with the right. Shoulder, yeah. Punch. yeah, and that, those kinds of things. Are... From you. <laughs> I used to love that as an orthodox. I watched Marvin Hagler do it. I was like, oh, that's yes. he, he used to throw a jab, jab, and then like a right hand almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was crazy. And I'm a right-handed southpaw, not a left-handed southpaw. So that also... Yeah. I'm right-handed, but I fought left-handed. I remember going to the gym... And the and the trainer, as a baby, he said, Are you left handed, right handed? I said, Right handed. He said, Okay, then you're orthodox. I said, Okay. So we started showing me left jab and right hand. Uh -huh. And I said, I said, What, what, and he said, If, if you was left handed, you'd be a southpaw. I said, Well, what does that mean? He said, Well, you have your right hand in front as the jab. And he said, I hate fucking southpaw. I said, Why? He said, Oh, nobody likes southpaws. So yeah. I said, okay, I want to be a southpaw. <laughs> so he made me a southpaw. And he said, I said, then make me a southpaw. If no one likes it, that's what I want to do. So I, I became a southpaw. Uh, and uh, and it, I think it was an advantage to have two hands, you know, yeah. a power then, hand. 
Ben, you thought I was contrary. I mean, come on. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting about the, the right-handed southpaw thing or the left-handed orthodox, like Oscar de la Hoya, Marco Antonio Barrera, both left-handers who box orthodox. Yeah, you spoke about Hegler. Um, but because I remember some guy in boxing news years ago said, Brendan Ingle has proven beyond doubt that the strong hand should be the leading hand, which obviously, in general, we don't go with that logic in boxing, like Gary just described, and like like you all know. No, I there is something to be said. I, I was a, I was right-handed and I was an orthodox, like you know, conventional. But there is something to be said, probably, for having your strong hand as the jabbing hand. No doubt, it, it can work for you because the backhand you've got the leverage. So anyway, anyway, yeah. so I mean, it's I always used to tell people it's not the arms; the, the arms just. The postman delivering the mail, you know what yes. I mean? The, the, the hit, the twist, the timing, the you know, the power is comes from many other things, certainly yeah. not arms. Uh, I mean, yeah. they have, thank you I mean, very much. So, yeah, so yeah. I, think, I think that, um, I think it's probably an advantage, but it depends if someone's comfortable on you know, learning that way. But well, I, I, I talk like. What, sorry. What, what, sorry, what a lot of trainers tend to do, they think because your right hand is your dominant hand, that that also means it's your power hand. And that that isn't true at all. It doesn't mean it's your power hand. No. It's your power hand because you put it behind and you turn your body weight into the punch. So whether you do it with a left hook or a left hand, but the thing is, it shortens the learning curve. If you lead with your right hand as a solid, if you're right-handed and your busy hand is your right hand, it makes much more sense than... Like most of the fighters today that are out there today should be southpaw, and they should. But you be. know, it's like you know, if I have an armrest, I do left hand. Do you? Yeah, interesting. And I'm right handed. Yeah. Like you just said, Michael, it's all yeah. very well talking about the power hand, like the rear hand. But if you're a murderous left hooker, and that's what you are, like Joe Fraser, then obviously that puts the lie to that situation. And the other thing is, if you're a murderous left hooker, you'll be a murderous right hooker as well. Okay, so, but I'm sure Gary got some thoughts on this as well. Everybody says you're boxing a southpaw, you know, you're an orthodox. Move to your move to your left and throw your straight right hand. Straight but all right you southpaws know that. All you samples know people are going to do that. So it doesn't necessarily work beyond novice level, does it? No. And I mean, I mean, the main, the name of the game is the feet. Get your foot on the outside of his foot. That's the battle, you know? Yeah. Because if I'm on the outside of his foot, it, it's very difficult. That's how, that's how Leonard beat Hagler. If you watch yeah. the fight, it just kept switching to, on the, and Hagler kept adjusting and adjusting. And he's just stole the, you know, he's, he'd never let him set up. He'd never let him get set to do what he does. Every time Hagler tried to dominate, Leonard, Leonard would set to one, one side and Hagler to reset, reset. And people didn't see the skill in what Leonard was doing, but very, very clever. You know, he worked yeah. it out. If, if you're on this side of a southpaw, I've got to keep adjusting, you know? And so... And when Hagler came out orthodox for the first four rounds, and Leonard was moving a lot the other way to his right in the in the early yeah. rounds because yeah. I remember um, Tim Ryan said, and here's Leonard moving to his right. He does that more than most fighters do, Gil, and in your opinion, should. So he pointed out to Gil Clancy that Leonard was when he was fighting orthodox, he was rotating the other way a lot of the time. Very very clever fight, you know. If you watch it, you break it down. Uh, it was technical. He knew exactly to stay on the outside of him, and he had to reset, reset. Very very smart. Um, yeah, yeah. What, what let Hagler get going, and and uh, because people talk, you know, it, it, some people give it to Hagler, some Leonard, but just to say the that he did in the way in which he did, anyone else 
Hagler would have got out of there. He was he, he wasn't yeah. past his prime. He was in great shape. Any every anybody else, Hagler would have destroyed. But amazing performance, amazing tactical, smart thinking performance by Leonard. You, you know, made, you made a really good. But you made a really good point when you said Leonard's movement. Uh, what that did, it, it kept Hagler from forming a foundation from which yeah. he could move from. So he never had a chance to set his feet to let go and, and get punches off effectively on Leonard. Leonard kept him turning. And that's one thing you always want to do with punches. You always want to, you never want them to plant their feet and start punching. Like Mugabe, for instance, you never want that guy to like open yeah. up his legs and start loading up on you. But if you keep him, if you keep moving in your left, right, left, right, you'll never get that opportunity. Or if he hits you, he'll hit you with half his power. And not as much so i think that's one thing that ray did that he never really gets much um that he never really gets the accolades for that he should yeah yeah talking it's, it's... about going back to your own career gary i get the impression the two impressions i got one that, that you you have regrets and feel that you could have done um a good deal more but also if i get the impression of if there's a certain win that you think of as your signature win that you're perhaps proudest of it was a british title winning effort uh, like middleweight against gary cooper um well, you took your lumps. You tell me you suffered a broken hand, broken nose. Two broken hands, yeah. Yeah. I broke both hands and my nose by round three. No. And you'd be quite proud of that. Maybe does that one is that the outstanding win for you when you think back of your, your career? Um not really, but it was a it was a I remember boxing news, I think the headline was coming of age, and it was just just the fact that um when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, Cooper was not. How, he was a journeyman, but he was a he was a step up. He was a he was a grueling, tough, very awkward, much more awkward than he looks. Um, good defense, but he was a. He took me it, whether it be the injury or not. I had him over a couple of times early, but then when my hands were busted up, it was hurting me more to hit him. Then, yeah. then <laughs> that it hurt him, but I just had to keep throwing, and uh, because I had to keep him off. But it it gave me a sense of pride for the fact. I mean, I knew it, but then the 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 the, the fans knew that I had, I had, uh, I, I, I could dig deep and I could do what I needed to do. You know, it wasn't just all the bullshit glamour. It's like yeah, I, I went in the trenches. It was twelve rounds. Everyone thought he would come on late, and I didn't allow it. Every time he tried to do something, I would rally to beat him. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a satisfying fight for me in the fact that I had to dig a little bit, which we all do. But I, I hadn't really had to dig that much before. So, and you were telling us off camera uh, that. The, 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 you'll always be remembered, I suppose, as well as for the George Collins thing, you'll always be defined, I suppose, your pro career by the Chris Eubank um, challenge in 1991. And you were telling us earlier on that the timing of that fight was not especially ideal for you, regardless of anything else. I I say this, it may be controversial, and fighters shouldn't say it, but huh. if I'd have been in good shape and had time, I, I'd have beat him all day long. 
Yeah. It's the easiest fight for five rounds I've ever had. Well, you, you outboxed him handily enough, Gary. You really did until, until he tagged you in the fifth round. But, Gary, this is the thing. I read something years ago in Boxing Monthly where you were talking about it retrospectively, and you said, I was fit when I fought Eubank, but I wasn't conditioned, and there's a big difference. Because you looked what great. You had, you had the abs and all that. You looked great, but what? What happened was I'd had a year off. I got into a manage, managerial dispute. I sat out. My problem was I was too smart for my own good. I was a... a idiot really so um it's something that stuck with me most of my life it's like if i'm doing a movie i get in great shape you give me a date and then the date comes i'm great shape i train harder than anybody but then when it's over i'm not consistent i let it go i do but some people just continually stay in shape i had a year out i did nothing i sat the contract out Literally, the day the contract ended, I got a phone call. Do you want to fight Eubanks? And I said, yeah. give me like four weeks. I said, impossible. So they wouldn't. I said, and I was obviously moving up. Um, yeah. I called Freddie and Freddie said, impossible. He said, you beat him if, if we need. He said, you need him, Mom, to get just for your win before you get in the gym. And uh, so I went to bed. And at five o'clock in the morning, I woke up. I just said, fuck it, I'm going to do it. And um, I got on a flight, knocked on Freddie's door, and I said, I'm doing it. You want to help me? You don't. He went, you're crazy. We we got in the best shape we could. I, I got fit to a degree, but I wasn't strong. I, was, I wasn't myself. But I have to say this also. When I say something as controversial as I could have been, you know, in all due respect, Eubanks beat a lot of people late in fights. He could have, yeah. he could have been the same with me. Uh I just felt like, you know, when you, Michael, when you know you have someone's number. Yes. I was strong enough to just continue yes. to do what I was doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just knew every move he was making. Yes. The problem I had, I sat down at round four and I was fucking exhausted, burned. And the problem I had, I trained so hard in a short period of time, like a week before the fight, I was banging spar, like 10 days before, I was banging spar, spar partners left, right, and center. Okay. And then a, a few, uh, like my last couple of sparring sessions, they were the same people were giving me a hard time. I was just kind of burned out, not strong. And um, I tried to recover the best I could, but insecurity kept, you know, I'd run, but I kept thinking, gotta get my win, get my over running and running for fucking miles. And, mm -hmm. and I just trained so hard in a short period of time. And I was pretty exhausted by the fight. And, and so I, I, I regret it. I don't take anything away from Eubanks. He's an amazing yeah. fighter, amazing champion. Could have beat me in my best shape, I don't know. I just feel in my heart that he never beat the best me. And I, I, I just wanted that. Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe he beat the best me all day long. But yeah. I just felt for two, three, four, five rounds, like, what's he going to do? You know, yeah. he's, there was, I had his number... If you watch the fight carefully, he misses yeah. every round with crazy, goes through the ropes, misses by miles. Mm -hmm. You watch him fight Ben, you watch him fight Watson, you watch him fight all these. He's having wars for four or five rounds. He didn't touch me. I don't think he touched me in five rounds. Yeah. Um, so I had his number, but I was just wasn't strong enough. And, and I regret that. Um, there was a conversation before my contract ended that possibly... There was a there was a fight with him, but it wasn't a reality. In hindsight, I should have just started training in case, but I, I didn't. I, I, I waited till they give me a date, 
and when they give me the dates, it was like yeah. short notice, and and uh, and I didn't give myself that. My my fault. No one else's. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, that's, so that's a big regret. That's the one regret. And then I should have gone back down on my weight. Yeah. And continued my career, but I was so pissed off. I never got paid for the fight. You know that. Yeah. No, what you didn't get paid. You really didn't get paid. I just I called Barry Hearn. Yeah. And emailed him not long ago. I said, you know, no, we did. No, I didn't. I got fucked. And they sent me 20 grand. I was yeah. supposed to get a million. Yeah. They sent me 20 grand. And I just fucked off to America and said, fuck boxing. Fuck you. Fuck everyone. And um, and that's why I got out of the game. I was like, every fight I had prior mm -hmm. to Eubanks, whether it be York Hall, Wembley, Royal Albert Hall, it was sold out every fight. The Eubanks fight sold out. They told me I was supposed to get a piece of the door. They told me, no, no. I, I, even on the commentary, they said there's not a seat in the house. The yeah. celebrities are here. Yeah. And, uh, and they said to us at the time, no, no, it, there was just a sudden surge of people that were jumping over barriers. They were, we, we, yeah, yeah. Like some excuse. So I never got paid. And so that was the biggest. Uh, I was just like done. I said, you know, I took a fight. I took a great risk. I, I got beat. I haven't been beaten 10, 15 years in my life. I was like, I, I, I took it all on the chin and I didn't get paid. I was like, fuck this game. And, uh, what was the contract, Gary? What was the, were, you, were, you, were you working on a percentage of the gate? Of the live a percentage gate? of it, a minimum guarantee of 100,000. Yeah. And, and then the gate, uh, it just, load of bullshit the whole nine yards and there was yeah just didn't get what i was supposed to get and you wound uh, up with 20k 20k and i said to uh barry hearn show he said no no we paid you i sent emails and that and i said show me the invoice you have it you obviously it's on your books show me the check you wrote it's too long ago i do you think i keep all the books now oh, I God, said, sorry. Yeah. So, so basically so when you lost to Eubank, did you stop fighting because you because you you wanted to be an actor, or was it no, something no, I was no, no, no idea of acting. What happened was I lost. I was very bitter about the situation with the money. Mm -hmm. um, I then said fuck the game, and then I decided, you know what, I'm not leaving the game on a loss. Getting beat, I'm not. So I called. Uh, there's a guy, Alan Lacey, he was doing some stuff for me. And I said, Alan, can you get me a fight? He said, who? I said, I don't care. Just that, my weight. So I trained, uh, got in shape. And it's so funny. Um, the day of the fight, day before, they switched opponents. Yeah. Put a middleweight in. And they were trying to get me bumped off again, like last minute. And I'm like, fuck yeah. me. I can't even have a real, you know. So yeah. I give away about 10 pounds to some, a Brendan Ingle fighter, a young kid. Who Steve Goodwin. Yeah, he was an army kid, I think, just a strong, but big, you know, about 10 pounds heavier on, on the on the scales. And um, I'm like, day before they switched, so I said, they were going to try and switch opponents on the night. There was another, like, middleweight, give me him, but they they stuck to, they wanted me to fight the guy, so I said, no problem. So I beat him, it was a shit fight, but I, I won, and then I said, and that was another kind of... Um, Reminder. And I just said, Power. fuck it. I left and I regret that I never, who knows if, but you know, Michael will tell you, uh, 
he could have had one more fight, I could have had one more fight, and we could have ended up in a fucking hospital and blowing bubbles. Well, so You know what I've got to ask you, Gary, because you mentioned the show and you mentioned Alan Lacey, that show, Box Mania, I believe it was called, in Brixton Academy in 1993, July, that has gone down in, in, in kind of infamy for being just the most chaotic, chaotic kind of comically orchestrated show ever. People say... There was an issue. John McGarvey was supposed to box, right? And he ended up doing an exhibition with Andy Wright, but that ended up getting stopped because he was trying to kill the guy. Um, right. And he wasn't treating it like an exhibition. You said about you were getting switched opponents. Supposedly, it's always said that Alan Lacey tried to escape out the window because he couldn't. He didn't have the money no, to he pay. Vanished. He vanished. On the Eubanks fight, he vanished. Yeah. And you... um, yeah, and we couldn't find him anywhere. And uh, and then his wife called me and said he was having a nervous breakdown and. It was bad because I mean, Alan, he just, I think he just got uh, in over his head. And, yeah. um, you know, I, and I, and to be honest, I now I'm a different human being, but then I, I, uh, I let everybody else, I trusted everybody else. So, you know, it's like uh, now you, you know, everybody knows Mayweather's a great example. Now fighters are taking their careers into their own hands and, and, um, and doing the deals that they need to be done, uh, but in the in the in the day, my day, maybe Michael's day, you know, you had a manager, you had a promoter, you kind of left his name. Left, yeah, <laughs> you you hope that they give did acted in your best interest. Let me let me ask you something a little bit deeper uh, in terms of boxing, something that you and I can both definitely relate to. Do you remember uh, your favorite card girl? Huh. Yeah. Do you remember what fight it was? And tell me about it. Go ahead. I don't remember my favorite card girl. <laughs> so you better tell us yours then, Silk, I suppose. And I, I, I shagged a few of them, but I didn't take the names. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, so what's your name? No. You must have a favorite card girl story. That's why you said Oh, oh, your wife said, okay, your wife said, so why you got, why you want to bring up stuff like that when you're, when you're her indoors? Not so loud. Yeah. All right. Okay. Let's let's move on. So, Gary, um, having moved away from the game, um, the interesting thing about your um, acting career, and I, I, no doubt you can tell me how it started. Everybody references you for Dead Man's Shoes, says it was a brilliant film and, and a brilliant role, and that appears to have been your defining moment thus far as an actor. And and it seemed to make people accept that you were for real. You weren't just some good-looking ex-boxer who'd found himself in certain positions because of who you knew. Uh, and you were really, you know, you got a lot of critical acclaim for that role. Yeah, we got nominated for the Biff, Biff of British Independent, independent Film, like the BAFTA thing. Um, yeah, it was. I mean, I was lucky to work with good people. I mean, the thing is with the film business, it doesn't matter how good you are. I mean, you first and foremost, when I retired from boxing, I, I got into acting by accident, um, by fate. I'll tell you the story in a minute, but but when I did get into it, I went to school and I studied for years. And I, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it was like, and, and the fight game, what makes me sad, and I think we should touch on it later, is that, you know, the mental health issues with fighters and yeah. Tyson Fury and all of these, they talk about, you know, um, it, it's a big situation. And, and I think uh, nobody really helps fighters and there's not really anything that, there should be a built-in kind of even a system so that they can just get information yeah because okay. i think i think any profession any anything you do if you spend your life from seven 
to 28.30 doing one thing mm -hmm. and it ends overnight. I don't care if you're the most solid mental person in the world. If you just stop and do nothing else and don't really apply, you're going to go mad. You know what I mean? It's just, there's definitely, so there's got to be some way that people learn to transition. I got lucky. Um, I went to, I used to fly London, LA, LA, Vegas. I never stayed in LA. Uh, I would train in Vegas and I had a friend who was an actor in LA and he used to always say, visit me, visit me. So, I was getting ready to retire. I went to see him and he picked me up at the airport and we was driving back to his house and he said, I've got this audition. Can you? I said, I'll wait in the car, don't worry. So he stopped on Hollywood Boulevard and he went to this audition and I'm sat in the car and in front of me was an empty space and an old lady tried to park a car and then two guys, like little gangbangers in this like gangbanger lowrider car tried to steal her space. It was raining, I'll never forget, about three o'clock in the afternoon. And she's not moving, they're not moving, and there's cars backing up, and this it's on Hollywood Boulevard, so there's crowds of people. It became this big commotion. And the guy get, got out the car, and he walked around, and he hit the window, and she kind of, you know, backed away, and she locked the door. And I'm sat in the car, and I'm thinking, I wanted to get out and smash the guy, but I thought, I've been in LA three minutes. Uh, like, I don't want to go to jail. So I, I just sat watching it. She was fine. She was in the car. And then the next thing, he walked around and he snapped a windshield wiper off the car. And it was raining. I thought, she can't get home. There's no wipers. At that point, I got out the car and I said, yo, yo, what are you doing? And the guy pulled the blade out. I'm in the middle of the street. Thank God there's a million people there. I'm not worried about this little silly knife, but I thought when I knock him out, at least I've got witnesses, you know? So yeah. I said, what are you going to do with a knife? I'll kill you. I said, fuck it. Come on, then. And he looked at me. I said, come on, fucking, come on. You want to stab me for 10 centimeter? And he just froze. I said, come on, fucking stick it here, you fucking clown. And he just shit himself. I said, <laughs> come here, give me the knife. He gave me the knife. She's completely shit, white as a sheet. His friend got out of the car and I said to his friend, if the worst thing in the history of your life, you get out of the fucking car. So we just got back in the car like a mouse to the friend. So <laughs> I took the knife off him. I said, go and apologise to the lady. He went and apologised. I said, now fuck off. And he got back in his car and um, I parked the, the old lady's car for her. She, she was not, I said, you're the worst fucking parker ever. So I parked the car. She got out the car and we had a conversation, she was an old lady and just a fantastic person, most interesting woman I've ever met. And um, she said, you're an actor? And I said, no, 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 I'm a boxer, just retiring to be honest. And she said, well, how long are you in LA? I said, just maybe a week, 10 days. She said, let me buy you lunch for what you did. And I said, no problem. I said, I'll take you for lunch. So anyway, we took, she took my, she gave me a number. We got back in the car. My friend come back from the audition, has no clue what I've just been through. And we just drive. I don't even tell him. And as we're driving off, he almost crashes the car and he says, where'd you get that fucking number? I said, why? He said, do you know who that is? I said, and he took me to a bookstore. She's a very famous acting teacher. She worked with Sidney Poitier, Dustin Hoffman. Oh, wow. All the greats, Brando. I mean, to work with them all. And there was a book on acting. And he, we got the book, and she's in the in a canoe with uh, Dustin Hoffman on Papillon. 
you know, she's an amazing coach. Yeah. So he said, I want to study with her. So I called her and she got a bit strange on the phone. She said, because I said, I have a friend who wants to study with you. Because she never mentioned to me she was a teacher. Just yeah. normal conversation. And I said, do you believe in fate? And she said, I do. And I said, you met me to meet my friend. And she said, okay. So anyway, she met him. She didn't take him in the class. He was, he did a terrible kind of interview. He was telling her, I've studied with this guy. I've done this, I've done this. I've done... I'm thinking, if you've done all this shit, why do you need this fucking woman, you know? It's just a stupid uh, uh, interview. And she didn't take him. And the funniest thing was, it was a question she asked at the end, which is something I always remember. She said, okay, I'm going to ask you one more question and there's no correct answer. Um, but I often take my students on this question. So we said, okay. She said, in one sentence, tell me the difference between love and lust. So we went on for 20 minutes. So he doesn't listen. She said one sentence. We went on and on and on. She said, okay, okay, finish. And they were about to leave and she said, Gary, could you answer the question? I said, I'm not, I don't want to be an actor, no. He said, no, I'd like you to answer the question just out of interest. I said, and then my mate said, answer the question. I'm like, what the fuck? shut the fuck up. So we get into this whole thing. So I said, okay, the question was in one sentence, difference between love and loss. And she said, yes. I said, okay, love you give, with loss you take. She looked at me. Left, and she called me that night. She said, look, I can't take your friend, but you're very interested and you can't learn to be interested. So I said, I don't want to be an actor. She said, well, do you want to just come and have lunch? I said, sure. I went the next day and there was a red light flashing outside the window. So I didn't enter the place. I just thought, obviously, something's going on. Someone came from another door, come in, and they took me around the back. And Sidney Portier was in the class. And he was teaching these kids poetry. And I just saw this amazing... Education, the long road. She said, use the language, Sydney, long, not long. She said, long road, it's gone. Let me see how long that road is. And then I'll never forget, there's a line in the play, he says, it's over. And she said, do you still love this woman, Sydney? He said, yes. Why is it resolved, over? Why don't you leave it unresolved? It's over. Leave it unresolved. So they were breaking down this material in these little beats. And the normal piece of text became the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. I was crying, I was laughing. And they were just showing this class how to break down. And it was fascinating. And the other thing was, uh, she had this amazing woman's point of view. And I'd been raised with my father, and three boys. I'd never listened to a woman in my life, to be honest. Uh, and so I had this new kind of outlook on life from a woman's point of view, which I found fascinating. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of wanted to hang around it. I just was like a sponge. Mm -hmm. So I still didn't want to be an actor, but I was just completely mesmerized with this process that they were going through. Yeah. One day she said to me, I won't teach you how to act, Gary. I'll teach you how to live your life. Mm -hmm. So it was fascinating. So anyway, so we, I, the class ended. We went for lunch. And... Uh, she, I was about to say goodbye, and she said, so what do you think of the class? I said, I really loved it. She said, start Monday. And I went, and I studied with her for 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. years ago. And that's what, and again, it wasn't to be an actor. Uh, fame, for me, when I had a little, I didn't like. It was, the only thing good about fame, it gets you a fucking seat in a restaurant, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. A good, that's a good, did you love, did you love, 
acting more than boxing? At the height of what you were doing, either one, boxing, which one would you pick? I think boxing's a hard act to follow, um, but, you know, it's very different, but it's also very similar. You've got to be very brave to be an actor, you know. It takes balls to show your fucking soul, you know what I mean? It's like to yeah, just yeah. be there. And uh, it's the opposite to, to what we do. We show nothing, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and so it's a very different challenge. Uh, I, I, I dropped out of a lot of school. My brothers are very smart. I have two brothers, Conrad and Ronnie. They both got degrees and all this shit. I dropped out. Boxing was my thing. So I, I wasn't great at school. So I, it was a, a new education for me. So it was like, you know, I had to get knowledge and read a bit. She'd give me an exercise once. She said, I want you to read the New York Times front to back every day. Every fucking page, every article. It's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah. I, was, I fell asleep after 20 minutes. I was, in the middle of the day, I was like, can't read this shit. But eventually I got to do it. Not only did it give me an education on what was going on in the world, but the, the discipline was fucking difficult. And I thought, this is fucking bullshit. But she made me and I mean, weird shit. I went in one day, she said, okay, uh, I don't want you to shave. I said, what are you talking about? Don't shave. I'll tell you when you can have a shave. I said, okay. I got the worst fucking beard. It was like this. Ugly and dirty and fucking like so self-conscious. One day, it's the strangest thing ever. I thought, fucking, I don't care anymore. I just give in. I didn't care what it looked like. And I went to the class that day and I was in I was in the in the lift going up to the class. And then just the first day I just said, fuck it, I don't care anymore. I just all my self-conscious, I just didn't care. And I went to the fucking, I'm in the, in the lift and I'm in my own world and I notice a pair of sexy legs and I'm kind of looking, I look up and there's a girl looking at me and I went, ah, hello. She went, you're the most beautiful man I've ever seen in my life. And I went, oh, and she just gave me a number and left. And I, I was like, what the fuck's that? And I got out the, the lift and I, I was walking to the class and there was two other girls in a different studio who mm -hmm. started giggling. And I looked ridiculous. I had a beard. I looked like a fucking tramp. And one of them was giggling and I kind of laughed. And then she went, I, I was just about to go in the class. She just went over and gave me a number, two numbers in two minutes. And <laughs> I'm thinking, what the fuck is that about? I walked into the class, just my energy. I don't know what it was. I walked into the class and I, I go and I've got to do this monologue and i sit on the stage and i do this thing and then she says you can shave today i said what you can shave today i said why she said all your subconsciousness is gone uh, yeah and, you know we were very subconscious about our looks and and yeah. I said, what? she said yeah you can shave today i left the fucking thing for another month just yeah, of course you're getting all the birds when you with the beard on <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's like you give an energy of like you just the you know when you just don't care anymore. It's not that you don't care, it's just that it is. There's a I was always very conscious of it, and I thought I looked terrible. When I got to a certain point, it was like, fuck it. And then whatever energy that became, yeah. became very attractive, I guess, to whoever, yeah. or, or just an, I don't know what it was, but the day that it happened was the day, and I thought, how was she fuck? She knew the old lady, she was like, you can shave today. And she had no clue what just happened. But yes. I guess you just, so there was all these kind of weird exercises and, and a fascinating uh, journey. And it's like, if there is an act to follow from boxing, the, this is, I mean, 
I, I don't care so much about uh, the result, like the movies. I, I love the process of acting. It's a mm -hmm. massive learning. Uh, when you do it and you really do the work, it's a, it's a, it's a fascinating... Uh, and it's like art. It's like eventually it takes you 20 years to learn to do nothing, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the reality. She said it takes 20 years to learn to do nothing. And so it's true. And... Um, you get to a certain comfort level. And I used to say, how long is it going to be like a typical athlete? How long is it going to be before my... She said, ah, 20 years. And it's been, it was about 20 years when I first think I started to know a little bit about, maybe I know a little bit about what I'm doing now. I still don't know fuck all, but I know a little bit. Well, and so, yeah, when, it, it, the process is fascinating. When it comes to the... Um... I mean, before you, before I just cut in about boxing, it does sound like you perhaps found more self-knowledge ultimately on your acting journey than you ever found in a ring. But um, when it comes to boxing these days, Gary, are you, do you still consider yourself a fight fan? Do you follow the game? Massive, massive, yeah. yeah. Go on, talk I, to me. I love the fights. And, uh... Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply i'd love to train someone one day but yes uh... I would love to give back. Um, I think that trainers are very special individuals. I don't think there's many great ones out. I think there's a few. I yeah. think there's a lot of room. I think. I mean, there are obviously some great trainers, but I think there's there's room because I think, and I'm sure Michael will comment. Uh, boxing is so much more than boxing. You know, it's so much more. And I think when you've been around. Uh, and had a certain amount of experience and, and, and sometimes gifted trainers maybe don't need, but I think it's there's something that I, I think that, you know, I'd love to, I, I see so many times fighters going through certain emotional things. Maybe they're afraid and maybe train it. They don't tell the train. Like if I was a trainer, I'd get my, I'd tell my fighters, okay, be, yeah. be afraid. Well, because the fighters won't admit it, but it's fine. Yeah, that's I think like, that's... there's ways to deal. I think I think there's an openness that's lost in boxing. Like every everybody's a little shut down in a little certain way. I think that um, I think that I think that there's another there's other approaches. I've trained a few great trainers that they all were similar, and I wished I had more of a. I wish I had had a different relationship with my trainers. That I I think they could have got a lot more out of me. Did Did, did oh. you feel that some of them were that? were kind of trading on mystique more than anything palpable that you could actually get from them sometimes. Well, you know, it's like a lot of these trainers, some of the ones that are mostly now in the, uh, in the limelight, a lot of them have got fighters who are already world champions. Yeah. You know, they start training sure. these guys, they're already world champions. So, um, I think that there's some great trainers, but, I love the old, the old trainers were really amazing. Now it's, 
There's some good ones, but I think there's room for some better ones. Well, uh, with Jimmy Tibbs, didn't you? You worked with Jimmy Tibbs at one point, right? Tim, Jimmy's amazing. I love him. Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy's um, one of the greatest trainers I work with because he has the he's a great knowledge of the game, but he gets in your nuts. Yeah. And he's one of the few trainers I've I've worked with that he he makes you believe. Uh, and uh, you know, he's, he'd make a great army sergeant. People would die for Jimmy. You know. You know, you know something, I'm going to call him tomorrow and tell him you said that, and it will mean something to him. You know, he, he'll tell you, he, he, I, I'd have gone, to, I'd have died with Jimmy because he's got, he, because you know he'll die for you. You know, yeah. he's a real fucking motivator, and, and and he doesn't try. It's just you just see in his eyes. He's like he believes. He's, it's almost like the Mad Irish in Braveheart. You know, yeah. It's like, he's got this thing, and and it makes it excites you, and uh, you've got a war. Freddie Roach, uh, who trained me, um, is an interesting trainer, but I, I don't think he's the greatest trainer in the world. The funny thing is, um, Freddie's disability is what makes him a great trainer because when he used to work with me, he had Parkinson's, he would waddle in and knock on my door at five in the morning and I'd go running. He could barely walk. And you say to yourself, if fucking this guy's knocking at me door five, if I gotta go, you know what I mean? Yeah. The commitment against all odds when he's struggling with his health. So he get fighters want to win for Freddie because they appreciate like the, the journey he's on and, and the struggle he has, and he, and he shows up and he's and he fights his disability. So this disability, in many ways, is something that I think is not a great. Uh, quality to you know to talk about, but it's something about it that people will fight for Freddie and they'll they'll give the best because if Freddie was willing to go that far, then you better you know. So I think he has that that quality. When he gets the specifics and the technical technicalities of the game, and I mean Freddie was a meat and potatoes fighter. You know what I mean? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he took a lot of he took a lot of punches. Uh... Didn't make very many opponents miss, and he wasn't a hard puncher either. So every single fight of his was going the distance. He didn't have a good defense, so he was going to get hit a lot. And he didn't hit hard, so he's not keeping anybody. You know, the guys get brave with him, and that's one of the unfortunate things. But what one thing he did do, uh, at least what he's done with Pacquiao and a few other fighters he's worked with. I mean, he worked with James Tony as well and worked, uh, you know, amazingly with him. Um, he was able to, I think, he emphasized the things he wasn't good at. And because he expected that out of his fighters, that, you know, he knows that it's not good to get hit. And so he's going to, he's going to, he's going to make that a point of that not happening because it happened to him. Yeah. Yeah. He want to see that happen to his fighters. So, so, uh, you know, I guess you can call it learning from your loss, from, from, which is what he did. Take that experience and bring it back into boxing and teach fighters with it. And that's why you'd be such a great trainer because you've had those experiences. You've had obviously a lot of winning experiences, but you could take things like lessons from when you lost and you can apply them and see how that could happen with another fighter. And that's what boxing needs to do today. It needs to recycle the ex-fighters and bring them back into the game because it's getting lost to these guys that are fitness trainers and maybe they were basketball trainers and now they want to, and they've never had any boxing experience before. But they, but they've watched fights and they understand the lingo, and you have commentators doing the same thing. They've never, you know, they never punched a stamp. Never mind, you know what I mean. Anything else, and 
and boxing needs to recycle its, its athletes. Is what I'm saying, Talking of that kind of fighter's experience, Gary, I used to be a coach at a Repton uh, several years ago, and there was a kid there called Scott McNess, a young boxer who did a bit of acting, and he told me that you taught him a little cheat on the scales if you're tight of the weight. He said, he said, you taught him a little cheat on the scales. Um, does that ring a bell? I did. Yeah. He said, can I say what it was? Go on. You said, if you go like this when you're on the scales, yeah, I can't really do it. You know, like, biceps flexed, yeah. It doesn't allow for my picture frame. And then if someone like your trainer, if it's fair to just hold you under the elbow, just to, just, puts his, put, just puts his hand under your elbow, you might get like two pounds off. Does that ring a bell, Gary? It does. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's experience. I mean, we shouldn't be giving away those secrets, really, because, uh, but uh, you know, on live on air. But no, I, I do remember that. It's just I've been wanting to mention it at some point during the show, and I managed to get that in. But um, no, I've had a few. I've had. I, I, I could tell you a few trainers. I can't mention them, of course. Yes. Cover, but I've had a few of them stood right behind me, like pinching my fucking boxer shorts, lifting me up, like you know. And you, I've had it many times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, most of the times I. You know, I made weight uh, pretty okay, but no, they—they they, anything that can happen, it'll happen. You know, yeah. Stop the most. Uh, it's just a winner's game, and whatever you got to do to get there, you got to get there. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. What was your most? What was your greatest fight? Like the fight that you felt greatest, your win that just really excited you and say, "Yeah, I picked the right thing." Yes, you know, I'm the future. It's very world. sad. It's very sad. I fought a guy, and and and. Uh, and uh, Respectfully, he was a journeyman. He's one of them fights you coming up, they feed you these guys. Um, his name was Seamus Casey. Yes. And he was a big lank. He was a big lump. He was bigger than me. He was like, I think he fought at light heavy, but he fought me at my weight. And I think he weighed in like maybe 11.8 and 11.9. I weighed in 11 stone. But I fought him, at, I think it was your call, but never in my life have I fought better? I just destroyed him in a round, but it was the most devastating destruction, like kill, almost killed him. Yeah. I've never seen it. I don't know if it was ever filmed. It's the only fight I've ever, I heard screams in the audience. They haunted me because like either his mom, it was someone who loved him. It went from tears to screams of despair. And it was just like, a, I smashed him from, one end to the like, never missed him. It was the most punch perfect performance, even though the you know, I was fighting somebody I was supposed to beat, but I've never ever felt better in my whole life. And then I just knocked him unconscious, uh, and I just never saw it. And I thought I'd just love to see it, but uh, that was the one fight which, uh, but I used to hate my fight, I used to always, um. Think I could have done better, you know. I, I remember boxing guys as amateurs and beating some international, you know, champions, and uh, and then they'd hit me with a jab, maybe, like maybe I stopped them in the third or second round, whatever, just destroyed them. But I got caught with a jab. Everyone's like, oh, "You just beat this national champion." I was pissed off because he got caught. They said, "Well, he's a national champion. You're going to get caught." I said, "It's ridiculous." I never used to hate it. So I never was happy. And then I actually never thought I was any good. Um, but um, I had, it wasn't that I was any good. It's, it, I used to think you may be better than me, 
but I'll still beat you. So I, I used to have a mind that I didn't like getting beat. So and it's the same in if you play me in poker, if you play chess, I have a streak in me that likes to win. And uh, and so often I would go into fights thinking maybe is it better than maybe not, but I'll find a way to beat him. And I normally did. Um, but it was because I felt I was better. Huh. So, so naturally, you're not, you don't believe yourself to be a self-confident individual. Not really. I mean, um, I don't know whether it's from childhood when you get left and you think if I was worth anything, they wouldn't leave. So I, I've tried to work the psychology of yeah. growing up and you get that deep-rooted, yeah. somewhat, you're never good enough, you're always trying to prove yourself. And um, yeah, I've learned to give myself a break, but... Um, you know, it's like movies. I watch movies and people say, oh, you did a good job. I don't even want to watch them. It's like, as long as I did my best, yeah. um, once I finished the movie, I'd just go on to the next one. You know, people say, what's your favourite performance? I say, my next one. Because then yeah. you learn and you just, you know, you try and learn a little bit more. And, um, I think it's healthy. I mean, I think I, I should, uh, if I had a son or a child, or I would always try to make them... Um, feel believe. worthy and believe, yeah, because it's 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 a bit of a lonely, it's a bit of a sad trek when you never satisfy yourself. But I think as I've got older, I, I appreciate uh, more a little bit. But um, so, do you think you've quelled your demons? Those demons, you know what I mean? Do you, have you quelled them? Or are they still there, very much alive? I um, I think they're there, but I I I, I understand them. So okay. you know, you put light on them, and they take away the power. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the you know it's like the, the good wolf and the bad wolf you know which, which mm-hmm. one is it the one you feed yeah uh, so so I, I don't feed them anymore I know they're there um, yeah. but yeah I've learned to uh, you know to try and feed you know put light once you see the problem and and as you get older you understand but the thing is with with childhood and things that happen as children is uh, you know they stay with you yes. You learn to deal, but it's still there. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. It, it, that's why you know, with kids and you know, parents, and it's so you don't realize how we affect. Yes. You know? And uh, my acting coach used to say, "You have, you have to be responsible for your actions, not your intentions. You may not have meant to do it, but your your actions yeah. did it. So yeah. you didn't mean to, but yeah. you. Were, so you have to be uh, accountable for your actions, not your intentions. Yeah. You know." Yeah, so, it's, it's, yeah. Well, yeah well, what, just me as I got older, be a little bit more careful. Because on the flip side, you know, people have come up to me in a bar one night and said, "You changed my life." I said, "What? I don't even know the fucking guy." He said, "25 years ago, I was in the bar, I was having a beer, and you said this, 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 and it changed my life. Thank you." So, yeah. You don't realize sometimes how you can have an effect on someone, mm-hmm. uh, and really change someone's life. So. Uh, it makes me a little bit more conscious of what I say and when I say it and how I say it. Well, you just never know where they're at, you know. We're certainly glad you've joined us uh, tonight in any case, Gary. And from the outside looking in, uh, I would like to say that you are, I believe you're one of life winners. I mean, there was something about you that that suggested you were never going to wind up with a gym bag full of broken dreams and a sob story, you know. Um, I, I agree with what you said also, that there should be more aftercare for fighters, but you look like one of those, uh, to me, one of those luckier guys who's not um, 
immediately in need of that. And, um, you know, and it's, it's been a success. Uh, you know, you, you, you are a British boxing legend, despite you might have relatively modest achievements to justify that description, but there's no doubt you're a British boxing legend. Uh, I'm sure this has been a popular show. I've seen the comments on it. One comment said that if Gary was around today in social media's era, he'd be a megastar, you know. So perhaps you did come a little bit too soon uh, for that particular fate, but you're looking good in any case, champ. And we're, we're really glad you joined us, unless there's something else you wanted to say, Michael. No, um, hey, listen, um, it was an honor to meet you. Thank you very much for joining us on the show. You have great energy, and you listen. You're just starting, right? You're just starting. It's yeah. a new career. It's you have this. You have this knowledge that you know. Boxing gives you a knowledge and an insight that you know. If you take it, and put it up against your life, you know exactly the way to go, the way to go, and to get to it. You know what I mean? Here's where it gets interesting. I, normally, I close the show by pressing this button, but there's something go, gone wrong tonight because it's given me the option to go live. Now we're already live, right? Because people are commenting, they're watching us. So I don't know. We normally have a little chat to the to, to, to like Gary or the guest as soon as we finish. I'm actually trying to finish this show because I know Simon is ill. And I don't know if he can finish this this show for me. So, but stay okay. around, Gary. We'll, we'll say goodbye to you off camera. But I'm trying to get off camera first. Sorry yeah. about this. I'm going, to okay. I just want to thank you both anyway for inviting me. And uh, absolutely, and the pleasure. For... The pleasure was all ours, guys. I hope you enjoyed this interview. I'm now trying to get off this live interview, even though I've encountered some possible tech difficulties. So bear with us. We, we might just be here forever now. Sugar, silk, and, and the stretch forever stuck on this page. But I'm just going to try and get rid of it. Okay. Now it's not. You know what? Something weird has happened. Hey, forever. It's, it's, it's not. It's not. Honestly, it's the the something has gone wrong tonight. It's it's saying go live. We're already fucking live. Ben, 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 press the red button. I, I can't. Who's? I can't press the red button. It's a blue button. That is the problem. So okay, press that too. Press the blue button. It'll turn red. Then press the red button. It's not. It's not doing it. It just says open settings. Something's happened tonight, which is not done what it's supposed to do okay hold on this it says leave studio right you can hit that too it's it does but you know, there's a way of ending the broadcast and it's not letting me do that all i've got is go live in the bottom we've been live for over an hour sorry about this gary this doesn't normally happen don't but um, we, um how do you i get paid me a lot of money for this interview so i don't mind uh... <laughs> yeah yeah um, <laughs> I mean, this is social media anyway, right? So things are a bit loose. I mean, you were cursing. We were talking about things we shouldn't talk about. Silk lost his bottle because the missus was in and didn't want to talk about round card girls. But he was yelling into the computer. My wife was right there. I was like, shh. Yeah, okay, sorry. Yeah, but you were the one who started wanting to talk about birds and ring card girls. Um, I, I'm genuinely interested how I get out of this broadcast um, because it just says go live and we're already live. It's obviously a glitch. Let me, I'm going to try something. Right? He's oh, out. Oh, perfect. Let's talk. Uh, <laughs> are we still live, though? <laughs> We're still live. Yeah, let's have a good time. Okay. Oh, no, what back. happened? Okay, I've got it. I can end it now. <laughs> so I hope you enjoyed that little interlude, guys. Gary me and Michael just did a whole other interview. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he probably could do it in that kind of time as well. Listen, <laughs> I said this before we started. We've had some great guests on this show, Silk. We've had the likes of Virgil Hill and Michael Nunn, and you know, and and all sorts of legends. I have enjoyed this one as much as any of them, um, and yeah, I think yeah. it has been as profound as any of them. All thanks to the one and only Gary Stretch. Gary, I would recommend now you disappear for another twenty years from the consciousness of boxing fans to keep your rarity value and mystique. All good. You're the first interview I've done in twenty years, so.
Fantastic. Stay around, girls, just so we can say goodbye. All you guys, okay, you can stop watching now. Be lucky, keep watching, tune in next week. You know you will. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.